welcome to the Checkered to Green podcast with your hosts, David Maudie and Elliot Tardiff. And good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good midday, wherever and whenever it is you are listening to us. This is from Checkered to Green podcast. Thank you all very much for listening and tuning us in. It's been a little while since we've last recorded an episode. We've uh, had some uh, life events that have uh, have happened to each of us. Not entirely bad, or at least too bad anyway, given the way 2020 has gone for a lot of people. That's, quite frankly, I think we're ahead of the game a little bit. So uh, we are very happy to be back. Um, and thank you all for, for listening in. Um, with me, as always, uh, my two worthy compadres, um, David Motti and Ryan Kolpak. Hello, gentlemen. Welcome back. Oh, good to be back, gentlemen. How's things going? Oh, you know, about as good as early December can treat you in Western New York. Honestly, it's despite our reputation, hasn't been as cold or as you know merciless as winter can be, but as we are all aware, never underestimate nature. That can change in a heartbeat. But for the most part, not going to complain. I'm not complaining either, Ryan. But hey, this is the season where us Western New Yorkers start wearing shorts in the snow. <laughs> and the Bills are finally doing good. So you there and I will go. take that, Ryan. Absolutely. And at the expense of my Patriots, no less. So um, Sorry. Yep. So sorry, sorry man. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's no problem. Uh, kind of knew this year was going to be a difficult one. Um, Cam gave us hope for a while, but it doesn't seem to be doing too well right now. We'll see okay. what happens. But either way, um, it's actually been about as cold down here in North Carolina as it's been up in uh, Western New York. As a matter of fact, there's a, a food truck uh, down here in the Raleigh area where we live um, that is based off of Western New York. Um, cuisine, uh, wings especially. And um, <clears throat> I, uh, I spoke with them uh, this evening. Uh, we went out and, and we picked up dinner from them this evening. And I said to them, uh, you, know, it, you know, we were talking about the weather and, and how it actually might snow down here uh, this coming Monday into, into Tuesday. Um, and it might actually be a little bit more than what uh, Western New York might get in the same system uh it'll probably impact uh, new england and and uh, points east of y'all more more so but um it's it's pretty telling when uh north carolina has the potential to get potentially a little more snow out of out of a storm in early mid-december no less than new york does so you know kind of goes to show the times that we're living in uh i suppose yeah, those, I mean, it's getting cold up here in Syracuse, but you know what? It's December. Yeah, you know, I took the 70 degree day in no, in November and put all the Christmas lights out. So I did that early and you know what? Thanksgiving was a little different this year, but hey, is 2020. We're all healthy. We're all doing well. We've all had different you know, as you said, Elliot, all different life ventures and congratulations on um, your uh, birth of your son. Thank you very much. Indeed, sir. Uh, congratulations. Thank you, Ryan. Um, it's It's been a, uh, 
a labor of love um, as, as parenthood is, as I've come to learn. Um, a lot of uh, sleepless nights, but um, at the end of the day, um, you know, looking at that smiling face and um, just watching him grow every day um, has been, you know, a heartwarming journey. I've never, I never thought that, um, you know, I would um, partake in and experience to this degree. So it's been, um, it's been a lot of fun and it's been, been a lot of joy for sure. Well, that is great to hear. And you know what, that's the, that's the best thing about um, being a father and is those memories. So yes, sir. since we've had a lot of life events and we did take a, a, a hiatus for a few months, a lot of seasons have ended already. So our checkered segment, this episode, we're going to talk about NASCAR. It's part one of our off-season for NASCAR. Our episodes are going to be talking about all the off-season in the different forms of motorsports over the next couple months. So, Elliot, why don't you take us to Checkered and bring us on who won the NASCAR Cup? Well, the championship for the Cup Series was was decided at ISM Raceway this year in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, same as the Xfinity Series and the Gander RV and Outdoor Truck Series as well. Um, same as, as uh, with Homestead in past years. This year, the Cup Series Championship went to Hendrick Motorsports driver Chase Elliott, um, upsetting... Um, not only the two Penske Fords of Brad Keselowski, but the Toyota of the um, perennial contender this year, Denny Hamlin. Um, and also um, not a part of the championship for this year was um, arguably the dominant car all year in Kevin Harvick in the four car with uh, Rodney Childers and Stuart Haas racing. Um Chase Elliott had come on strong um, in the later part of the year uh, during the playoffs, winning at Martinsville, punching his ticket into the final four, um, and then having uh, the dominant car during the entirety of the, uh, the cup race on, on that Sunday. Um, there wasn't anything that anybody really had for him. Um, once he got out front, he was gone, and it was his race to, to win, and he won it. And so Chase Elliott um, stamping another generation of Elliott's um, as NASCAR champions. Uh, celebration ensued very quickly in uh, his hometown of Dawsonville, Georgia, the Dawsonville pool room, got the, uh, the siren going and uh, they, uh, they had a lot of fun uh, in Dawsonville. Uh, Chase Elliott came home um, and they had a parade for him. It was very cool. Um, uh, but uh, the two Penske uh, entries of Keselowski and Logano finished second and third, respectively. Um, and Denny Hamlin rounded out the uh, the uh, championship four for the Cup Series. Yeah, it definitely was really good for Chase Elliott this year. The third time a father's son has won a NASCAR championship, um, you had Lee and Richard Petty, Ned and Dale Jarrett and now Bill and Chase Elliott become the third father-son combo. So really good to him. Congratulations. The torch definitely passing from Jimmy Johnson to Chase 
Elliott and Hendrick. He is definitely going to be the future for Hendrick. But you mentioned about Penske and and them coming close. Well, with Keselowski and Logano, Penske actually was pretty good in the Xfinity series this year with Austin Sendrick, the son of Tim Sendrick. Uh, if you know, Tim Sendrick runs the IndyCar operation for Penske Racing. Very successful. Uh, Austin Sendrick wins it. It was like, a, I believe it was almost like a last lap pass or in the closing laps, he did get by Justin Allgaier. Junior Most Motorsports came close this year with Allgaier and... Um, but Sindrick got him. Justin Haley, very good for Collie Grace saying he had a really good year this year, was third, which ended up in the standings. Chase Briscoe was fourth. Briscoe next year, we'll talk about this more in the next episode, but Briscoe is going to replace Clint Boyer at Stuart Haas Racing with Boyer retiring. And then Noah Gregson, another junior motorsports driver who probably could have been in the championship for, but had his bad breaks at the end, especially at Texas with him. And um, I believe it was Harrison Burton um, gang together and that, that kind of hurt, but that was the top five for that. So congratulations, Austin Sindrick. Great job. And, He's got, he's got uh, definitely, um, he's going to have to hold off some good competition next year for that. Indeed. Um, a lot of people um, were looking at the, the, uh, the lineup for, for next year and we're already pegging um, Cindric to repeat as champion again in 2021, but there have been a lot of interesting developments that have come out of the Xfinity series that um as a race fan have me more excited about the the Xfinity series and what's going on with it and what the future of it is than I've been in some time um again that'll be for another episode but um uh, David you talked about the um the end of the Xfinity series race and indeed the Xfinity championship being decided on a late restart uh pit strategy and um, people staying out, people coming in, getting tires, um, and what, uh, what they were able to do with either tires or track position on the ensuing restart. And that was indeed the case also in the, um, Gander RV outdoor truck series championship as well. Um, <clears throat> the, uh, championship, I believe was, uh, in the hands of Zane Smith. Uh, late when uh, there was a caution that came out inside of a few laps to go. And there was some controversy about that. Um, but uh, there again, just like the Xfinity series, uh, some people uh, that didn't have a chance um, at the championship to it, Sheldon Creed unto it, um, decided to come in, take some tires and see what happened on the restart. Um, and in Creed's case, he uh, was very fortunate, had a great restart, um, and used, uh, those, uh, those fresh tires to power him to the front and power him to the win in the championship. So Sheldon Creed is your 2020 Gander RV Outdoor Truck Series champion. Zane Smith finishing second, Brett Moffitt 
um, finishing through it. Actually, I think it was Brett Moffat that uh, was uh, um, was leading late prior I, to the. I, I think it was. It was between him, um, Smith, and Moffat. Okay, um, so um, so Moffat uh, being in, in position to win prior to the uh, the final caution um, and electing track position and that strategy did not work out for him. Uh, Sheldon Creed had the, the fresh tires and overtook him uh, and won his fifth race, fifth race of the, the year um, and with it, the championship as well. Um, so Moffitt finished third um, of the championship for Brent Enfinger rounded out the top four and then Matt Crafton um, rounded out the top five as well. And then the next series we got, Elliot, in our episode tonight is regarding the ARCA series. Now, ARCA is, um, if you know, the, 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 it used to be the, well, back in the old day, it used to be the Bush North, Bush South series. Then it went to the KNN East, uh, Pro East and Pro West series. Well, that, that's kind of all, mer- you know, and ARCA was separate. Well, it's kind of all merged now where now you've got ARCA and you've got ARCA East, ARCA West, but you've got a main ARCA series still, which, which has been the feeder series going into NASCAR. And a lot of good drivers like, like back in the day, Martin Truex came out of the, the series, what was known as the Bush North. You, you've just, you know, for example, you've had a bunch of drivers. Well, this year they finished their season under this new format where they had the East and West combined and Brett Holmes won the championship. Michael Self second. Michael Self, a really good ARCA driver. Haley Deegan, who originally started out as a Gibbs prospect, a, a Toyota prospect, signed with... Um, believe it was with Roush and Ford now um, with ARCA. She had a really good season this year. She finished third in the points. She almost won a few races, but had just things go, not go her way in the last few races, a tire or an incident, or she just get past. Well, well, we'll talk in the next episode. She's going up to the trucks next year. She was third. Drew Dowler. And Ty Gibbs rounded out the top five. Um, th- this series is really good. If you, if any of our listeners or if you guys ever get a chance, watch them on Emma or on Anna, or sorry, and, it, thank you. Yep, thank you. Um, I almost want to say MSNBC, but yeah, wrong station. <laughs> yeah, I think they uh, uh, they do a lot of races on CNBC as opposed to MSNBC, but. Yeah. Um, and, but that's, that's only as a last resort, I think, but yeah. yeah it's um, a good series. It is. They um, admittedly, they had a pretty lean year this year in terms of car counts and, mm-hmm. um, and overall interest. Um, and indeed the, the top four um, that you mentioned, Brett Holmes, Michael Self, Helly Deegan, and Drew Dollar uh, were the only ones to, um, to enter all 20 races this yeah. year. Um Ty Gibbs, uh, who finished fifth in the points, only started 16. 
still had a great year at six wins, uh, 12 top fives, 14 top tens, according to racing reference. Oh yeah. Six wins. And he got out of those 16 starts. He won six of them. And the guy in six started 19 races. Yep. Um, But again, according to racing reference, that info Brad Smith, who finished sixth in points, didn't necessarily have a great year this year. Even though he started. That's true. Um, events his average finish was 16.4 so uh, so there you go um, you know in, in Deegan's case you know there was a, a lot of eyes on her um, obviously um, you know being a uh, uh, one of the very few females in uh, in motorsports especially stock car racing um, you know a lot of attention on her and and the evolution of her career and um, you know a lot of comparisons made back and forth uh, uh, from her and Danica Patrick. Um, but uh, while Deegan did not uh, win any races this year, um, she showed um, a lot of solid runs, consistent speed, uh, week in and week out, uh, not really overextending the car um, and getting herself in uh, uh, in positions that would get her in too much trouble. Um, yeah. You know, had some trouble with um, uh, some contact at, at the season opener at Daytona, um, but uh, but otherwise um, did very well um, and had a had a solid year, which is what she she needed, um, and is making the leap into uh, trucks next year with TGR uh, uh, Crossley, and yeah. we'll be talking more about that later. But um, but yeah, um, uh, even though the the uh, car counts were um, relatively lean this year. It was still a good um, championship fight, and there were still some really good storylines to come out of the, the ARCA series this year. So just uh, we, we got a couple minutes left in this segment, Elliot. Let's just really quick, let's just sum up the, the entire – Let's talk about the NASCAR season for sure. Um, let's just sum it up in like a couple words. What were your thoughts this year? It, just in a, a couple words. Um, in a couple of words to sum up the 2020 season, um, resilient. That's the only word I can really think of um, because, you know, obviously with everything going on in 2020 with the pandemic and social issues uh, that, uh, that, came to the fore and dominated much of the national conversation mm-hmm. for a good part of the year. Um, um, it, um, uh, both of those things uh, had the potential to um, potentially uh, disrupt uh, the sport, the pandemic, especially because if you physically cannot get to the racetrack and race, then, you know, you've got a, a major, major problem there. Um, so that, um, they were able to take the time, come up with a cogent plan, work with um, local and state governments to get those plans approved, get people back to the racetrack, put on a race um, in a safe way, which they were able to do um, event in and event out without Mm -hmm. exception. There were a few positive tests, Jimmy Johnson being the most notable of them. And Austin Dillon. And Austin Dillon. Um, But at the end of the day, they were able to 
rise above the, the pandemic and all of the disruptions that has caused to so many people and along the way um, show some real heart and show some real humanity um, at a time where um, those traits were sorely needed in this country. Um, so um, at the end of the day, that, that term is what I can sum up the 2020 season for NASCAR is, is resilient in the face of, of so much adversity. You couldn't have said it better than I would have said it. I, was, I, I, I agree with everything. I would say well-planned for them, and that's how they did it. They had a really well-good plan. They looked at the situation. They, they did what any business does in a, in a crisis. They evaluate the situation. They figure out their plan. They figure out their BCP, their business continuity plan, and they executed. And that, I, I give NASCAR a lot of credit this year. So well planned to them. Yep. With that yep. said, uh, Elliot, oh, sorry. I was going to say, um, you know, as a follow-up to that, um, this is NASCAR leadership that we're talking about and mm -hmm. they have been much maligned over the years for different uh things that they've done or said um and the fact that they were able to um to put this um to put things together like you said uh continuity plans etc mm -hmm. um and you know at the end of the day now looking you know at hindsight from them and other sanctioning bodies other sporting sanctioning bodies um their season uh, has gone pretty much about as about the smoothest of any of the major uh, sanctioning bodies out there. And with the relative least controversy of all of them. So, um, you know, for a sport that um, has had its fair share of problems uh, from, uh, from the top um, further accentuates um how good a job they did this year and yes. putting a season on. Most certainly. Well, with that said, Elliot, I think it's, I think it's time to flip over to Ryan. He's got a break for us, I believe. The From Checker to Green podcast. We'll be right back. Your input is what drives our podcast. Enjoying what you're hearing? Consider keeping the conversation going on our Facebook page, From Checker to Green Podcast. Let us know what you enjoyed. Let us know anything we could have said better. Suggestions for content to cover are always welcome. And for a new source of feedback, consider following us on Twitter at From Checker to Green Podcast. And now back to From Checker to Green Podcast. Welcome back, race fans. We just finished our checkered segment, and now we are going into our spotlight segment. Now, with the NASCAR offseason, there's so many things that are going on the, during the offseason. There's moves. Drivers go from one team to the other. Some drivers free, retire. It's, it's the silly season. 
And you know what? We LEI decided there's so much. There's a new schedule out. We said, let's split this up. So what we're going to do is we're actually going to talk about the NASCAR Xfinity truck and ARCA schedules this year in this episode. And then the next episode, we're going to get into the juicy details of the offseason and all the moves that are occurring, who's going, who's who's retired, who's going to come in, and our thoughts. But we're going to have a roundtable with Ryan as well, and we're going to start talking about the schedule. So let's kick it off with the NASCAR schedule. And guys, let's start with the cup. What do you guys like about the schedule? What do you not like about it? What would you change? And what do you think is going to be the best race and the worst race coming this year? I think the schedule for this year, um, there have been some some welcome changes. And there have been, with it, there's also the hope of more. Um, but overall, I think the schedule, especially for the Cup Series in 2021, is going to be as grueling as it's ever been. When okay, let's, at, let's when start with at, the cup. Yeah, when you look at the overall length of the schedule, um, starting in early February with the clash um, at the Daytona road course, um, um, you know, some, some questions there about uh, uh, going to the road course for that event as opposed to the oval. Um, as we have seen in the past, going to a road course instead of an oval has worked well before. Um, and so we'll see what happens with this. But um, from there, all the way until uh, the first weekend in November in Phoenix, um, with very few off weekends in the interim, you have a, um, uh, a couple of week break, I believe for the Olympics mm-hmm. in the later part of July um, and the first part of August ending at Watkins Glen on the second Sunday in August uh, the 8th. Um, and then going pretty much nonstop from then all the way to the end. Um, and then when you look at the beginning of the schedule, pretty much the same thing. You have um, an occasional off weekend, I think maybe one or two of them tops from the beginning of the schedule in February all the way to the Olympic break. So it's, it's going to be, a, and there's, there's some real distance um, between some of these events too. You've got the West coast swing uh, after a couple of races in Florida, the 500 and then Homestead the following week. Then you've got Fontana, California, the week after that Vegas, Phoenix, and then the following Sunday, you come back and you run a race at Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So there's no, break at all there's no time to catch your breath if you're behind it's it's not going to get any better for you uh and then the same thing as we get into april the end of april into may you go martinsville richmond talladega then you go to kansas and you come back to darlington then you go up to go up the hill to dover and then you go out to texas for the circuit of the americas which is going to be a very interesting race i'm Personally, I'm very happy they're going there. I think the more that we're incorporating uh, road courses and especially going into the, uh, 2022 with the Gen 7 car, much more on that later, um, that's that's going to be a very interesting um, race. I'm very happy they're going there. Um, 
keeping Sonoma on the schedule as well. The first part of June, that's going to be very nice. Um, but there again, you go from the Coke 600 on May 30th to Sonoma the following weekend and back out to Texas the following weekend after that. Yeah. So I, there's no, there's no rest for the weary in this schedule. Yeah. Ryan, your thoughts. Honestly, I have to build on a point that Elliot has made. The race on May 23rd at the Circuit of the Americas, I completely agree. I was really hoping to see that one make it onto the schedule because that's those are the kind of courses that you really see leading the charge for the future of the sport, I think. Mm-hmm. And instead of your standard circuit course, with this, the road courses I always felt were more entertaining and I think lead to better competition. Most certainly. I I, I got to say what I like about this, a, a, a few points, especially grueling. Um, Daytona Speed Weeks is like literally February 9th through the 14th. You've got the Clash on a Tuesday. You've got qualifying on a Wednesday night. You have the duels Thursday under the lights. I think qualifying's under going to be under the lights from what I've been hearing. I, I can't confirm nor deny that yet, but that's why I'm hearing. Then you 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 know Friday's nor you know normally the trucks and then Xfinity Saturday, but Arca that Saturday as well, and then Daytona that Sunday. So speed weeks, two weeks just went into um less than a week, like days so i mean you you reckon the you have a bad effort in um the the clash you wreck a car you know that might be a car you may be using as a backup well you don't have a you may not have that good turnaround if you need that um it's going to be really challenging um Ryan road courses, Road America. Yeah, I love it. Thank yep. you, July fourth, and the Brickyard Road Course. Mm-hmm. They're gonna run that. It's it, it it's amazing. I I, I love it. The mm-hmm. the um the, the thing I love with that is that it's gonna be really interesting. I think you're going to have a lot of good racing this year. Definitely grueling, indeed. Um, it, it, it's going to be it's going to be fun. The one thing I'm a little concerned about is that Bristol dirt race, and I just don't know. In the the reason I, I I'm a little worried about that is um, when the World of Outlaws ran at Bristol. They had a lot of issues with that. They had to cut an angle on their wing, on their front wing. They had to cut an, an angle on it so they could see the track. So it it will be interesting, but I would have rather seen them convert Marnesville to dirt and have them try that. Um. So we'll, we'll see. I, we'll see what happens, but I, I love the idea that they're doing a dirt race. I'm just, I kind of have to agree with Dale Jr. I'm not too fond of that. 
Yeah, I don't think there's a lot of people that are are necessarily fond of this idea per se. I mean, you've got a ready-made event waiting for you at mm-hmm. Eldora. And instead, we're not even going to Eldora at any of the series well, this year. I don't understand. Well, yeah, that. but the trucks are going to Knoxville. They could have did Knoxville with some. I that mean, we'll, we'll we'll break the not we'll break the truck schedule down in a little bit. But they could have did Knoxville. Heck, you could put dirt on Marnsville and and tried it there. You could have took any track. Yeah. Heck, put dirt on Rockingham. Bring him back to Rockingham. Could you imagine that? <laughs> that would be it. But um, one thing that you talked about before, uh, David and, and Ryan as well, um, is the greater variety in the um, the tracks that we're visiting this year in the Cup Series. Mm-hmm. You've got five road course events. Um, oh, yeah. Points paying events too. Um, six if, uh, if we're counting the Clash as well. Uh, but that's, uh, the Clash is not, points paying um but with that said we've got five road course events that's the most we've had in at least 20 or 20 uh, 20 or 30 years yeah um it used to be just the Glen and sears point or sonoma and that was used it. to be and then before that you had riverside yep you had riverside and then uh um, that went by the wayside and and, and it was just those two and well, and and you did have Watkins. I, I did hear this when I went to Watkins Glen for my first time in 2011. They used to run there, I think, in the 50s, 60s, but they ran it backwards. They did. They ran. They did the layout backwards, so they were going up the the hill, um, and the S's would have been near the end of the. Um, would have been um, the last few turns they would have taken. Cause, Imagine uh, going down the S's. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I would have loved to seen I, I and I would have loved to seen them take the boot backwards too. Oh yeah, you ain't kidding. I racing. Make it happen. Let's yeah. See. So the other thing, so let's Let's kind of talk about the Xfinity now. Let's Again, a, a grueling schedule, less races, but still a <laughs> grueling schedule. They got Daytona, you know, that's always going to be Homestead. Then they do their West Coast swing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they they are doing, um, actually, they are not doing it this year. I thought they were going to run the Bristol Dirt Race, and they are not. No, um, they are not, but no dirt race for them. But mid Ohio, always a good race. Mm-hmm. Um, they are going to Nashville. Yep. Um, that will be interesting. Mm-hmm. Road America. That that's always a thrilling race. I like that. It's going to be a fun race at the road course at the, uh, at, um, Indy. They always do well at, uh, Charlotte. Um, and the Roval. So I, you know, I, I, I do like their schedule. Um, I, I do miss the, um, the sandwich. It, they, they used to have three road course races in a row and that was always fun. It used to be, um, I believe it was mid Ohio, 
the Glen, and I think they did Row America. They changed that up this year, but mm-hmm. I, I, I think it's going to be really good. Um, I, I like their schedule this year. Uh, nothing to change. They are running Coda, so uh, it's going to be really, really good for them. Um, I will. We'll see what happens with with that's with, with them this year, but I I think it's a it's a good schedule for them. Nothing to change on my part. Ryan, your thoughts? Well, I completely agree with all the points that are previously made. While it is, you know, a fairly grueling schedule for Xfinity, the, again, like the Cup Series, the selection of races and the various locations, I think it's going to make for a more dynamic season. And I think, you know, we might see some shakeups in the ranks. No question. Um, a couple of things kind of stand out to me um, looking at the schedule, um, not only from a comfort standpoint, but also from a business standpoint as well. Um, from a comfort standpoint, there's more off weekends in the schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, and even more so when we look at the truck. Um, but when I also look at the schedule, I see a lot of companion events. I see a lot of um, Xfinity events leading into cup events uh, the Mm -hmm. same weekend, which leads me to question, okay, how many one day shows are we going to see this year? That was the bread and butter of the 2020 schedule was come in race, no practice, no qualifying, come in, race in out hello goodbye as joe pesci used to say in in, uh, casino (laughs) and that was it so i will be curious to see if that is a continues to be a thing in 2021 or if we're going to go to uh, something like a two-day show where you have qualifying and then you race or if we do all that same day um and how all of that impacts uh, not only ratings, but also track attendance and thus track revenue. Um, that'll be something, in, uh, that'll be an interesting business storyline to keep an eye on in 2021. Most certainly. And and you were talking about, you know, them being paired with Cup a lot of weekends. Well, take a, let's build on to with the trucks. It's going to definitely be an interesting storyline when you have a lot more triple headers this week, this year with the trucks, i.e. Charlotte with Coke 600 weekend, where you've got the trucks, Xfinity and Cup. You have Vegas, Walk- Vegas Watkins Homestead. Glen, Homestead, yeah. Watkins Glen, Phoenix. Yeah. It's they, they put more and more, um, more races and i think um they they look like they have some double headers let me just check xfinity yeah they're doing a um, double header on a Dar- uh, darlington in may oh no that's a triple header as well darlington in may i think they're doing a race at atlanta as well on the on march yeah. 20th so um, and then they're also pairing up with the Cup Series at Bristol for the dirt race at the end of March. That's going to be a fun race because you've got truck people that know what they're doing on dirt. And you've got a bunch of Cup guys that are probably going to try and jump in truck rides for that race. Oh, yeah. So you got Cup with truck regulars. 
that's going to be a fun one. That 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 will be fun. And I've I mean, you're seeing a lot of these weekends and these triple header weekends. The the one standalone race that that's um, stands out to me this year and, and is really big is Knoxville. They they went from Eldora to Knoxville, a flat Iowa dirt track. If you know the Knoxville Nationals and you know Knoxville, that is a sprint car track that runs sprint cars. That is, they, they run late miles there, but that is a sprint car track, and those sprint cars get three, sometimes try to do it four wide. It is going a flat track, fast. It is going to be very, very interesting for those guys, and I'm looking forward to that. Yep. I think it's going to be great. Um, yep. Then you've got uh, Mosport, uh, Canadian Tire Motorsports Park as well in the playoffs. That's going to be interesting. Yeah. Um, and then Gateway too, same thing. Uh, oh yeah, that the Gateway one. Um, when we talk about IndyCar, they used to usually share that weekend together. So if that's a weekend shared with IndyCar, um, that that'll be pretty interesting. But we'll we'll talk about the IndyCar schedule in future episodes but yeah i think there's a lot of good um a a lot of good races for the trucks i do like more of the triple headers i I think it it gets the truck series some spotlight that they normally don't when they double header with maybe just the cup guys or they double header with just the xfinity guys Mm -hmm. um it it gets them in there so very sound business decision i mean this is a sport who literally had little to no fans this year due to a pandemic who's going to have limited fans at daytona to start off Mm -hmm. and will have limited fans so this is a very smart business move that I think you're going to start seeing more and this may be an attempt to try to save the trucks who've been struggling. Um, If this series folds down the road, I think Arc is the one that's going to replace it. Maybe, Um, you know, as we've talked about before though, you know, Arca, um, you know, arguably a pretty tough year this year. So, yeah, um, but if they take the the route at what IndyCar is trying to do, where they try to have this developmental series and like Formula One, um, you 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 you've got to start showcasing these series more, and I think that's what they're doing to the trucks, and it'll be a great season for sure for all these guys. Um, David, I agree with that, and I I'm also. I, I kind of have a concurring opinion to that, which is okay. this. Um, we talked before about the variety mm-hmm. in the types of tracks that um, the major series are going to this year. Yeah. That the trucks are going to two dirt races. They're going to yes. two dirt events, um, including the one at Knoxville, like you talked about, and all of the um, tradition and history at that track. Yeah. Um, that tells me that they're trying to bring 
NASCAR in some form or fashion, um, these major series back to the roots. Yes. Right? Um, and, you know, looking ahead to 2022 or beyond, it's clear that um, for all three of these series, the race at Nashville Super Speedway, that's a play to get back to the fairgrounds. That's yeah. a play to get back to the sh- back to some of these these grassroots facilities. Um, and for the truck series going back to dirt um, and now running two dirt races um, in during the course of the year. And you know, one of them being um, the penultimate, regular season event uh, Mm -hmm. prior to the playoffs kind of speaks to that and kind of looking forward from a business standpoint if we're trying to really reconnect the grassroots especially the truck series um, maybe going forward if and especially if we go back to the fairgrounds Mm -hmm. maybe at some point next year we do a standalone truck event at pensacola five flags that would be that would be cool. Or if they're doing dirt, I know they start Daytona as the first seat at the start of the season. Why not have them run a race at Volusia? Yeah, just 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 kick your season off one week earlier. It, it mm. doesn't have to be a point paying race. Mm-hmm. It, it could be an exhibition, but you've got you've got got Volusia literally blocks out. Uh, late miles, sprint cars, modified. If you put the trucks in there and had them do two to three night exhibition, oh, it, it would be it, it, people would be glad. It, it would be really good. Um, it would, but you'd have to make a big, big, big purse to get um, interest from the teams and from the fans. If you did an exhibition, you'd have to do like a half a million dollar uh, winner's purse or something like that um, to get, to get some interest. Um, yeah, that's true. Maybe even do a full mill. Um, but you would, there would need to be like a big um, play mm-hmm. to be made, especially if it's going to be an exhibition. If it's a point paying race, that unto itself, I think is going to be a big thing. Yeah. But if you're going to do an exhibition, you've got to, um, make a, a big play there but um you know these are all things potentially for down the road yeah but there's definitely a business play that's being made to try and come back to the grassroots yeah and hopefully this continues into 2022 and, and beyond and with that said also look at darlington gang the spring race back mm-hmm. that's a that's a big thing as yep. well uh, Ryan, your thoughts on the um, truck schedule before we break down the ARCA schedule? Certainly. Honestly, to capitalize on points that you two gentlemen made, I am most looking forward to seeing multiple dirt races with the truck series. It's honestly some of the better racing in the series and really shows what these drivers are made of. That's great to great. hear. Mm-hmm. Good point. So really quick. Well, when we finish, while we finish up this segment, we've got only about a few minutes left before we take a break here. Um, quick rundown about ARCA, smaller schedule, 20 race schedule. Uh, looking at it, a couple of things I like, you know, Daytona Speed Weeks, that's normal. 
they do go to Talladega. They they're running Charlotte again, Coke six hundred weekend, go mid Ohio. They do go Iowa. I'm the two events I'm really looking forward to this year is Winchester, fast track, great track. When ASA ran there is a very fast bank track. Um, if you used to watch um, ESPN Thunder, uh, Thursday night, Saturday night Thunder on ESPN with the USAC sprints, midget silver crowns back in the nineties, it, great track great racing there um and then Watkins Glen four races at the Glen with the trucks cup and Xfinity and and them on the road and Arca on the road course so I like that and I also like that they are going to Salem so a pretty solid schedule for them your guys thoughts Ryan I'll go to you first certainly well Full disclosure, I'm not as familiar with ARCA as I am with the other uh, racing divisions, but the racing that I've seen doing my research on it, it's like they're not someone that really should be ignored. And seeing some of the joint racing where they're joining the uh, NASCAR various racing series, I think that's going to be a boon to their business. Agreed. Um, And to to your point, Ryan, um, you know, full disclosure, I'm not, um, you know, as attuned to what's going on in, in ARCA during all points of the year as I am in um, with the with the three NASCAR um, touring series. However, um, to one of your points that you made, David, um, the race that they're running at Winchester that last weekend in July, they're the only game in town. Nobody else is running. So um, that's going to be a huge event for them. Ditto the weekend before in Iowa. Um, That is, as far as I'm aware, the only major stock car event being hosted at Iowa Speedway this coming year, which is a a travesty unto itself. We can rant about that the rest of the night. But um, those two events are going to be, I think, key um, for the series this year. Um, They're obviously sticking to their strength, which is the Midwest um, and all of the, the big, big events there, the, uh, the big tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about Winchester. We talked about, uh, um, actually, I don't know if we've talked about this one yet, but the, the DuCoin State Fairgrounds in Illinois, yeah. um, that big track, Dirt, is uh, another big one as well. Uh, Salem and Indiana, obviously. Um, and then uh, you have some of the smaller tracks like Elko and mm-hmm. Berlin as well. Uh, so those, those will be interesting to see also, but I think those two at the end of July, those are going to be the big ones. Um, you know, obviously a lot of people tune in to Daytona and Talladega um, to see, you know, a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of action there, and especially um, from racers uh, that, don't necessarily have a lot of experience on those, those high banked super speedways. So, um, you know, there'll be some attention there, but I think the, the real bread and butter and the, some of the key races this season is going to be later on in the summer. Agreed. So with that said, we've had our schedule breakdown. We'd like to talk more about Elliot. I think it's time for us to have a little pit stop here. 
Yep, uh, we're coming in for four tires and gas, and we're going to let our crew chief, Ryan Kolpak, narrate from there. This is From Checker to Green. We'll be right back to the From Checker to Green podcast. Looking to enhance your business design? Consider Samurai Graphics. Samurai Graphics has the resources and the knowledge to elevate your business design and letterheads to the next level. Anything that you need to stand out from your competitors, you can find designed at Samurai Graphics. For any information regarding the services and products provided, please contact Samurai Graphics at samuraigraphics716 at gmail.com. Samurai Graphics, your business design solution. And now we're back to the From Checker to Green podcast. Thank you, Ryan. The green flag is out and we're heading towards the end of this episode. For the green segment, let's talk about the, what's on the horizon. And in this case for NASCAR, we're talking about the next gen car, Gen 7 and 2022. Um, and this is going to be uh, part one of a two-part discussion. Uh, the second part of it coming in our next episode um, to uh, cap off our discussion on NASCAR in the off season. But uh, David, let's talk about uh, the, the Gen 7 car, um, what it was supposed to do and where it is right now. Oh, certainly. And that is a, it, it's amazing. I'm looking at the car now online here on, on the J-Ski site, the pictures from the Charlotte testing. And it's amazing. I, I love it. I love what they're, what they're doing with it. Um, some of the, the questions that have come out, uh, uh, jski.com had some good questions. They asked like, when it's going to be debuted. This was supposed to roll off Daytona 2021. It got pushed back due to COVID just like many other organization racing organizations, push their developments back to the following year or, or pushed it back one year. Are the cars going to look the same? Well, they said the cars, they want NASCAR wants them to look like a street car with unique manufacturer characteristics. Some of the unique characteristics, the um, openings in the hood to get more in air in there. It will be the same engine in 2022. Looks like 2023 is probably going to be the new engine. They're doing this to limit the cost, someone asked. Are they going to have the 18-inch wheels? Yes. No more five lug nuts. It's going to be a single lug nut. And this one thing, I uh, the one question I kind of like, um, it, the that I saw here is no more gas. Um, no more gas cylinder. It's going to be a refueling hose. So uh, these teams are going to have to get, have a good year to reap, to practice how they're going to handle pit stops in 2022 with these cars. But 
I I love it. I I think it's really good. It's definitely a, a good decision on NASCAR's part. Um, they they've used the All Star race as almost a test um, to develop ideas. The the past few years, um, it's so far the tests have been great, and I. I think it's going to be a really solid car. It's going to handle well road course wise. I I love it. What do you think, Elliot? Um, so when it was announced that they were going to move the the rollout of the Gen Seven car back to twenty twenty two, there was um there was a little bit of discussion about that. I I know. Uh, listening to uh, door bumper clear which is uh, one of my favorite racing podcasts there was some some question about that and uh, you know whether or not they should have still moved forward with that I think you know having the benefit of hindsight the decision to move it to 2022 is the right thing to do um, especially if on track testing wasn't didn't really commence until the, the later part of the 2020 season anyway mm-hmm. there would have been, no or very little time for teams in the midst of a pandemic and in the midst of social distancing and um, health related concerns to be able to run a, a regular season, which is stressful and taxing unto itself and try and throw together the new car for 2021. It just wasn't going to work. So um, it was the right thing to move it to 2022, give everybody some time to work with this thing, give the sanctioning body time to work out the design um, and work out some of the, the specific features of the car. Uh, David, as you pointed out, the, um, the on-track test at Charlotte um, went really well for the road course section, which as we know is going to be a very important part of the calendar going forward. But um, according to uh, NASCAR.com, I believe it was, um, there really wasn't a whole lot of um, good things to be said about the, the oval test. They're working on some things there. So having that time to work on that over the winter and have the time to work on that during the course of the 2021 season and get these things right um, so that we don't have a botched rollout of a substandard car, a la the Gen 5 car in 2007. Um, this is a point in the series um, and a point in, in NASCAR's history where everything that they do needs to be on the nuggets. And the rollout of this car, it needs to be the epitome of that. It needs to wow visually, and it needs to wow on the racetrack as well. From the from the jump, no exceptions. So, um, it's it's good that they're taking some time to do all of these things. Now, there's some other things. Like uh, David, you talked about the uh, the move from five nuts to one. I thought they might have been doing that in 2021 anyway. Um, can either uh, I, either of you, David or Ryan, uh, confirm that? Um, I thought they were. Let me see here. 
Um, I thought it was with the, it was supposed to be with the Gen 7 car. Um, hold on. All right. While you're looking that up, um, Ryan, what are some of your uh, early thoughts about uh, the, the Gen 7 car? When I first saw the overall body design, I was actually very impressed. I thought, you know what, that looks like a car that would be the next generation of this sport. So for me personally, it's already begun that visual wow factor. So it's a good start. And some of the very bold changes in both form and function, I think are going to lead to some interesting driving with this, especially as drivers start to get used to it. Two key points that I think are going to be the most tricky, perhaps, for them to adapt to is uh, changing from the traditional shifter to a sequential gearbox. So instead of the traditional shifting, they have to do in line like they've done in uh, NHRA dragsters for many years. Mm -hmm. I think that's going to be a welcome change because it makes it much easier to shift. And I think faster shifting means, you know, better position changes for the drivers. The independent rear suspension being changed to from a solid axle, that actually kind of surprised me because I wasn't expecting that, honestly, in any near future uh, NASCAR models. But I think that's going to make some of those high-end turns a lot more maneuverable for these drivers. I I, I I definitely like that. I do have an answer on the lug nut. As as of March, they were supposed they are going to the one lug nut next year. We'll we'll see what happens if something changes with that. But that was in March before everything shut down, and um, that will be um, that will be interesting if they do end up doing that next year with the one lug nut. Um, I, I think they should hold it off to 2022 because you really got to give teams to practice that. I mean, these, these guys, I mean, IndyCar does the one lug nut, but those guys, you need practice. It, it, you gotta, you gotta figure out, um, it's, it's just a different ball game with that, but I do love the independent rear suspension, Ryan, as well. I love that. I love that they're doing the H um, design for the shifter. I think that's going to be really, really good. Um, it's, I, I just, I think it's, it, it, you know, NASCAR in this point realized that they had to do something. I mean, what was IndyCar doing um, when Brian France, who probably tailspinned NASCAR um, pretty bad um, and, and hurt them, what did IndyCar do? What did they recognize? Well, they needed to do cost change. They, they had to change their costs. They, they need to get make the costs lower. And that and and they went and did that. And that's how they came up with the Dan Weldon design car, the DW cars, the, the Dan Weldon, the late great Dan Weldon design. You know, th- those were to dis- to get lower costs to get more people in there. And they and and IndyCar was start has been starting to. 
it hasn't gone as quick as it should as some people thought, but yeah, I, I think from a business standpoint, I think 2022, if you're lowering the costs and we've started to see this Elliot with teams putting interests in there, Denny Hamlin and Michael Jordan, um, Jordan becoming a majority owner in NASCAR. Um, You've had that. You've got Matt Tiff coming back. He's owning a car. So it's opening up the doors for, for the future. And the question's going to be is, is, is pushing it back, you know, pushing it back a year going to pay off and they're going to get more teams or do, or the, the question will be down the road, not in a not in 2022, but maybe in 2025, did this pay off? It's going to be the question. You're going to have to give a few years. Did this decision pay off for them? It looks like it, it it's starting to, but there's a long way to go, and I think 2021 is going to help develop and help make that from a business standpoint succeed. Well, agreed, David. And to, uh, to one of your points, uh, you know, we talk about um, you know some new teams coming into the sport in 2021, um, and we'll get into more detail about that um, in the next episode. But um, Going into 2022, I think there's going to be teams that are, are going to be interested in um, starting a, a NASCAR effort. Uh, I think a lot of, of that is too is going to be the economy and how well things are going and um, uh, uh, sponsorships and uh, how creative people are being in, in terms of bringing uh, sponsorship money into the sport. Um, and so I think there's, there's kind of those factors too. But um, there's definitely some people that are, are trying to kind of jockey for that early position uh, to get into that, uh, get in on the ground floor, as it were, in 2021, and hopefully stick around into 2022. My hope is that um, these newer teams that we're seeing coming in for next year, um, that they, they stick around, that they see 2021 through, because it's, um, you know, we've seen, um, other um, high-profile athletes or um, high-profile people in general um, come into the sport and then leave pretty quickly. Yeah. So um, my hope is that uh, that is not the case and that they see 2021 through good, bad, or ugly, and then let's see what happens in 22 and beyond. Um, but another thing to think about from a, uh, a business standpoint as well, we talked before about uh, NASCAR potentially engaging the grassroots a little bit more uh, in some of the, the scheduling moves that they made. Uh, there's definitely a clear effort with this as well to engage the OEMs. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we talked before about, um, you know, trying to, um, uh, you know, make some changes uh, to adjust and uh, uh you know, reclaim a place in a changing society, a changing automotive uh, uh, landscape, and 
you know, these things that, you know, sequential shifter, moving away from a solid rear axle to an independent suspension. These are all things that, um, you know, car makers are moving towards anyway. And it used to be back in the day um, that what OEMs were doing kind of went hand in hand with what NASCAR teams were doing, right? Yeah. So what you were seeing on the track was showing up in cars that rolled off of the assembly line the following Monday, right? Went on Sunday, sell on Monday. So NASCAR is getting back to that, I think, with some of these moves as well. And that is another important piece of this uh, from a business standpoint is re-engaging the OEMs in a way that they, quite frankly, haven't done in some time. Um, and that's going to be a critical piece of moving NASCAR forward into the 2020s and beyond. I, I definitely agree. And I, I'm going to hit one final point on that. Um, to your OEM and I, I definitely agree you gotta get the OEMs I mean that's like what IndyCar is doing is they're they're starting to think about making moves to get more OEMs in there it, 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 NASCAR is gonna have to do it do we you know that that's gonna be a question do you have three OEMs or do you eventually say hey you know it was successful in 20, you know, in 2022, you know, do the, in 2023, do we start pursuing another OEM? Do we start pursuing two, maybe make a list and see who you're going to get and see who you can bring. So yeah, the, the OEMs, which if you bring more OEMs in there and, and you get more revenue in there, you're going to attract more people if you, if you get more options, um, you know, somebody, you know, switches from truck to, you know, from, from Ford to Toyota and then completely bonds the following season. Um, you know, it, it just, you know, I, you know, you know, Stuart, you know, that's why I'm in Stuart Friesen this year, but it's, I mean, yeah, I, I definitely think you got to see a, a change. It, you know, you got to gear back and go to those grassroots. I 100% agree with that. So um, so we've discussed a, a number of things with the next gen car in 2022 and beyond. Um, and like I said, we've got a lot more to say about that in our next episode. But for now, uh, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to close out uh, this episode with um, some final thoughts. So uh, with that, Ryan, take it away. This is from Checkered to Green. The From Checkered to Green podcast will be right back. Enjoy this episode. Listen to the rest of what we have to offer on Apple Podcasts as well as podcast.com. Simply search from Checker to Green Podcast and re-listen to your favorite episodes or catch up on episodes you haven't heard yet. And now, back to From Checker to Green Podcast. Hello, race fans, and welcome back to the From Checker to Green podcast. We have had a pretty good episode to kick off the offseason here with NASCAR Part 1. 
we are going to have a part two to the NASCAR season where we're going to talk about the, the essentially the silly season, the moves that are being made. We're going to continue talking about the next gen and the 2022 entry of that next gen car. In addition, we're also going to talk about a few other things, touch base on, on the 2020 season in general, what we thought about it this year, continue our thoughts we had from the first checkered segment when we were talking about the champions and some thoughts we had. But it's time for final thoughts. And Elliot, why don't you start off with your final thought? Um. So my final thoughts for, for this episode um, largely echo some things that we talked about earlier on in the podcast. Um, the fact that NASCAR was able to run a season, run it smoothly, um, and be able to try some things that had been talked about for some time, especially midweek events, um, and be able to pull those, all of those things off relatively successfully, um, and absolutely, absolutely safely, um, is a testament to not only, um, the fortitude of management, but also the fortitude of everybody in the garage and everybody supporting them. Um, so and especially, like I said, with what we've seen with some of these other um, uh, sporting sanctioning bodies and some of the problems that they've run into um, and some of the um, tough situations that they've either been put in or that they have put themselves in um, speaks to um, um, the thoughtful way that uh, this this season was run and the way this season was uh, was concluded. So I hope that uh, there were some things that were learned um, just out of, that were you know implemented as just out of sheer necessity and improvisation that will continue to be incorporated um, from a more compositional standpoint um, as a matter of policy, as a matter of schedule, etc in 2021 and beyond. There were a lot of uh, positives that NASCAR can take away, um, not only as, as a, a sanctioning body, but I think in the teams as well, um, that can be applied uh, more broadly in the future. Ryan, your thoughts? My final thoughts are simply this. This is a quick shout out to the 2020 Cup Series champion Chase Elliott, the Xfinity champion Austin Sindrick, and the Truck Series champion Sheldon Creed. Gentlemen, congratulations on your well-earned victories in an extremely difficult and unexpected and uncertain season, and we look forward to seeing this level of competition out of you for seasons to come. Gentlemen, well done. Thank you, Ryan, and thank you, Elliot. And my final thoughts is I just have a couple, just touch on your point, Elliot, most certainly a well-deserved 2020 season for NASCAR. They really came together. They, they did well. They, they got back on, they were one of the first sports to get 
back into action and that was really really good for them uh it really saved the season it it made it a really interesting season congrats to chase elliott great job on that austin Cindric, sheldon creed as well um but one final thought i had um and i can probably echo this for all of us is um you know we we've had a, a a tough year this year um as we head into 2021, there are so many people who we've known um, in in the most sports world that have gotten COVID. Um, you know, who have tested positive: um, Jimmy Johnson, Austin Dillon, Lewis Hamilton, um, Dale Jarrett, name a, a few few out there, but one who probably I always loved listening to is Ken Squire and gentlemen I you can probably echo my my thoughts um, on this Um, he was diagnosed with COVID-19 if you know Ken Squire is if you don't look him up on YouTube listen to some of those old broadcasts Um, he's helped start the motor racing network um, he's the one who got Barney Hall into it. He he's he he's natural talent and just that distinctive voice out there. Um, you hear him, you know him. Friendly person, great person. When they brought him back for Darlington for the first throwback weekend, I loved when he said Squire here along with Jarrett and Jarrett and um, you know. Great, and our th- he ended up in the hospital with COVID. He's in a rehab facility, according to Dave uh, Moody um, on the MRN, um, the godfather of more <laughs> sports, Dave Moody, um, MRN, uh, play-by-play announcer and turn announcer. It's mentioned he's in a rehab facility now. So our up in Vermont. So our thoughts from the From Checker to Green podcast are with Ken Squire and that he will have a speedy recovery in this COVID situation. You're here. So gentlemen, that does it. And our listeners, we are going to catch you in the next episode. Our off season's gonna fly like what what happens it's going to be busy we are definitely going to be trying we are definitely going to try bring you weekly episodes of the from checkered green podcast we will catch you next week see you on the next round thanks for listening everybody see you next time Thanks for listening to the Checkered to Green podcast. For more information, check out our Facebook group, Checkered to Green podcast. Tune in next time for more insight into the racing business with the Checkered to Green podcast. (laughs) 